open up your Bibles to uh, the book of Acts. Last week I made a big deal about the Holy Spirit, who is the Spirit of Truth, uh, being a source of encouragement and help for us to speak boldly the Word of God, and that that was prophesied actually in the book of Isaiah, that the words that were in the Messiah and that spirit that was in the Messiah would then be given to us, his offspring. So a mark of God's children is that we have the spirit, the spirit of truth, which we boldly speak according to that truth. There, We're going to see today that there are other marks of that spirit, uh, but I would just encourage us really to, to all just... Be very thoughtful as to how the Holy Spirit has promised to be with us and that we need to act according to that Spirit. The challenge is going to be is not only will we obey the Spirit by giving our lives uh, to Christ and being immersed into Christ, but also then keeping in step with the Spirit, walking according to the Spirit of truth, that Holy Spirit that is given to everyone who obeys. Everyone who obeys, that is the, that's the language from Acts chapter 5. Uh, and I want to start in verse number 27. This is the scripture that was just read to us a few moments ago. And we need to consider in here uh, the message that is given here. So it's when they had brought them. So it's when these soldiers had brought the apostles. The apostles stood before the council. And the high priest questioned them, saying, We gave you strict orders not to continue teaching in the name. And yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. I just ask you to consider again, they were speaking because the Holy Spirit was in them. The helper was in them and that they were following their master. They were offsprings of Jesus. They were then speaking his words. The words that were in the mouth of Jesus, they continue to speak. Verse 29, uh, but Peter and the, other, and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you put to death by hanging him on a cross. He is the one whom God exalted to his right hand as a prince and savior to get, grant repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. In other words, he was the Messiah and you killed him. And we are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God God has given to us apostles. No, that's not what it says. I read it well until that little spot there. They make the point, and I think this is Peter speaking on behalf of those apostles, they having received the, the words of truth, being helped along by the Spirit, and everything they're saying, it says, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey Him. The Holy Spirit is given to all the people who obey Him. This is after was mentioned that the 3,000 were baptized on the day of Pentecost. This is mentioned after there are others who have given their lives to Christ and become obedient in Him. The Holy Spirit is given to all of those who believe. Just stop. Period. Right there, right? So is the Holy Spirit given to us? I think according to what Peter said right there, unless we find somewhere that it changed, we would say amen to that. We are recipients of the Holy Spirit. 
Um, and if you want to find out how to obey God, you can jump back to Acts chapter 2 and read the end of that, uh, that chapter um, after Peter's speech, and you can learn how to obey God. Okay, a couple of points then about this verse, about receiving the Holy Spirit or this gift that is given to us in terms of uh, Acts 2.38, that we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's for everybody who obeys. First of all, this did not mean that all could work miracles. If you flip back real quick, just a real simple and an important passage in Acts chapter 2, verse 43, it reads, this is after the 3,000 were saved, everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. Miracles taking place through the apostles. It's the apostles who are working miracles. That continues. We get another sermon. We get all these things arrest and arrested again. And there are miracles that are taking place through the apostles. You continue reading up until you get to uh, chapter 5, verse 32. Our, our main point that we're looking at here, that the Holy Spirit is given to those whom God, whom, who obey God. There is no indication that this is a miraculous working Holy Spirit. So we've got to be very careful with this idea of miracles versus receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. Miraculous workings of the Holy Spirit are one thing, and then having the Holy Spirit, all believers, is quite another. We've made this point in past sermons, and we have studied it in classes. It's one you need to uh, make sure that you understand and can affirm. But here's the main thought is that um, the first, consider this as I continue in my outline, the first non-apostle to perform miracles in Scripture, first recorded miracle worked by a non-apostle was Stephen. And so you have to flip another page into Acts chapter 6 in verse number 8. And it says, And Stephen, full of grace and power, was performing great wonders and signs among the people. So Stephen is working miracles. And notice this takes place after verse number 6, right above it, where it says, And these were brought before the apostles, and after praying they laid their hands on them. The idea of laying on of the apostles' hands is very, very important uh, to understand what Scripture says about those who were able to work miracles. To speak in tongues, to prophesy, to drive out demons, to lay their hands on people. That is an integral part. You have to understand the laying on of the apostles' hands to understand this. The miracles done by first century believers... Through the laying on of the apostles' hands. It's a very important topic, and it was very important for the church. I'm not addressing that in this sermon. I mention this because we're talking about the Holy Spirit, and I want to move on to the Holy Spirit and us. The Holy Spirit in us, to all those who believe. Those who would receive the gift of the Holy Spirit that was a promise for you and for your children and for all who are far off by space or time. You know, whether it's across an ocean, that gift of the Holy Spirit was to be received at the moment of baptism for anybody who obeys God. That is different than saying everybody 
If, if they're baptized, they're going to have the Holy Spirit and be able to work miracles. Different things here. So just that's a quick note. Um, and the second note then in terms of that the Holy Spirit is given to everyone who obeys. Number two is that the Holy Spirit's presence gives wisdom, gives courage, gives faith, gives joy. And it, produce, it manifests itself in many other ways. Produces many other fruits in a person's life. These are, I'm pointing this out as these are, I could have put in parentheses here, note this, these are non-miraculous. These are ways that the Holy Spirit is present in people. And that was true back then, and it is true for us today. This is separate from addressing miraculous works of the Holy Spirit in particular people whom the apostles had laid their hands upon. So now we can get to us. If we can lay a set aside the miraculous workings of the Spirit in that difficult and interesting topic, and now get to us. Because this is vital for us to understand this is how the Holy Spirit is going to uh, manifest itself in us as believers who have been immersed in Christ, received the Holy Spirit. What's it going to look like for us? Because we have to keep in step with that Spirit, and if we're not keeping in step with that Spirit, then we are, in fact, according to the words of Scripture, grieving the Spirit. And we're also uh, living our lives in such a way, if we're claiming to be a Christian, but we're not living according to it, we're not giving uh, young people or other non-believers a reason to believe. We need to keep in step with the Spirit so that we can show people what it means to truly be a Christian. That's a pretty simple concept, and it shows that we are authentic if we truly live according to the fruits of the Spirit. Not easy to do. This is the challenge that's before us. It's what God challenges us with. It's to keep in step with these fruits, with the Spirit, so that we produce these fruits. That's how I should say it. So number one, we'll move through these uh, rather quickly so we can, we've already made the main point, keeping in step with the Spirit. But I want to note some of these things that are connected with the Holy Spirit, some of the fruits of the Spirit, so that we can see that even in the age of miracles, when, the, when all these, when Acts was written, when uh, the letters are written, the focus for us is on the wonderful fruits that we see here. Number one is a spirit of wisdom. The Holy Spirit in those who obey God, it produces wisdom. So look at Acts chapter 6, verse 3. Let me point out, this is before the laying on of the apostles' hands. It's before Acts chapter 6, verse 6. And this is when uh, the apostles needed some help. And they said, therefore, brethren, select from among you seven men full of uh, seven men of good reputation, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task. Now, I could have even listed um, good reputation, you know, goodness. Goodness is one of the fruits of the Spirit, isn't it? But they are full of the Spirit. This isn't saying they are able to work miracles. This is saying this, these people in their character, they're full of God's Spirit. You can see God's Spirit in them. It's a pretty simple concept. Do you know anybody that you think is full of God's Spirit? That's the concept. There are people who walk 
so close with God and we need to look at them and emulate them. Here are some people who are known to be full of the Spirit and connected with that. And I, I'm using this, uh, it's just, I'm just saying this as a connection. You know, this, I don't know that this is the main point of this passage. It's not saying the Holy Spirit manifests itself as wisdom, but this fits with what we studied. Remember when we studied the Old Testament? Bez, uh, what was the guy's name who worked with his hands and was going to be in charge of, of building everything and the, the uh, tabernacle and making the Ark of the Covenant and all the, all the pieces of furniture? Um, he was full of the spirit and of wisdom. God gave him a spirit of wisdom and of knowledge. He was able to work with his hands. This fits right with that same concept from the Old Testament. So here, they're to pick people full of the spirit and of wisdom. Wisdom is very much connected with the Holy Spirit. Verse number 10. Um, Verse number 10, and this is talking about Stephen, then after he gets these wonderful, miraculous powers, it says, but they were unable to cope with the wisdom and the spirit which with, with which he was speaking. Now, I think you got two things coming together here. I think the spirit leads us to speak, and I think it was working in him in a miraculous way, in a powerful way. The, the Holy Spirit through laying on hands was coming through him in a miraculous way, but still... There is that spirit of wisdom. Wisdom is still there. It's a part of it. It's not miraculous, but it can be enhanced. That spirit works well with us. The spirit needs somebody to work with and give us wisdom and to be able to speak the words of God. Um, Acts chapter 6, verse 5, you back up again a little bit. The statement found approval with the whole congregation, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and of the Holy Spirit. So this idea full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit, they're intertwined here. They're very closely related. And I would just say one of the fruits of the Spirit is that it produces faith. Uh, chapter 11, verse 24. Acts chapter 11, verse 24. <clears throat> Let's look for another fruit that is produced by the Spirit. It says, For he was a good man. This is speaking of Barnabas. He was a good man and full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. So faith, this is another passage that produces, that tells us that, that somebody who's full of the Spirit is full of faith. And it also adds another one, goodness. So number three on our fruits of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit produces goodness. It's in Acts chapter 11, verse 24. And for those of you who are aware of the fruits of the Spirit listed in Galatians, you know we're getting down to it, right? Goodness is listed there. The, the Spirit makes us good. We should act good. We should act like God. Jesus was good. We should act like Him. Number four is joy. Acts 13 and verse number 52. <clears throat> um, it says, And the disciples were continually filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. You're filled with joy? It might be an indication that you have the Holy Spirit. I pray that is true for everyone here. Let us, if we are filled with the Holy Spirit, these people were experiencing terrible 
This is one of the first uh, instances, chapter 13, of a great persecution uh, that, that came upon Paul and Barnabas. And it says the disciples were continually filled with joy. Why? The Holy Spirit was in them. They had the Holy Spirit. They were going to live according to the joy of that Spirit. Number five, love. Oh, excuse me. Um, that was 1352. Yeah, that's correct. Number five, we're going to jump to the book of Romans. We're making our way towards Galatians. In Romans chapter five, verse number five. Um, this is at the end of things in which we should be growing and, and understanding how we can uh, increase our faith. And it says, and hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit. The love of God is poured out in our hearts. And we, we understand that the Spirit is one of those things that like a liquid, like water, is also poured. And so the connection is the Holy Spirit, when it's poured out in us, that also being poured out in us is love. God is love. His, he is a spirit of love. Uh, we can even think of John, First uh, John. It tells us that God is love. When His Spirit is poured out into us, love is poured out into us. So the fruits of the Spirit, wisdom and faith and goodness and joy and love. Still in, in Romans talks tons about the Spirit. First Corinthians talks tons about the Spirit. And 1 Corinthians has a lot to do with the miraculous spirit, so I, I don't go into that much because then you got to, well, what's this one talking about? What's this one talking about? Is it the miracles or just the Spirit of God within every, every believer? But let's go to Romans chapter 8, verses 5 and 6. Uh, in this passage, it, the, the entire chapter 8 is all talking about the Spirit of God within us. But just to pick out a couple of verses here, look at... Chapter 8, verses 5 and 6. It says, For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the Spirit is life and peace. And that idea of having your mind set on it shows us that this is a deliberate action that we have to take each and every moment after the day that we're immersed into Christ. We don't receive the Holy Spirit and that Holy Spirit just takes over and we just get a coast. And No, it is a decision for us to live according to that Spirit, to have our mind set on the things of the Spirit. And when we do, one of the fruits that we experience and that we can see in our lives is that we have life and peace. Life and peace. Isn't that what we really are searching for? All the world wants is just to be able to kind of live and, and be filled with a good life and to be happy and to be at peace, to not be at turmoil with everything that's happening in the world and in my life and who am I and where am I going? And all these difficult questions that we wrestle with, or at least wrestled with at one point in our lives. Life and peace. You set your mind on the Spirit, that Spirit that is within, 
the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit within you. You are the temple of God. He is living in you. We set our minds on that and live according to that. Don't grieve that Spirit, but live according to it and you will have life and peace. And as we come together, I might say more about this next week, but as we come together to worship, is our worship, is it filled with life? And as a congregation of believers anywhere that comes together, are we at peace with each other and with God? Life and peace, so important. How about the next one, number seven, righteousness, peace, and joy, Romans 14. Uh, Romans 14, verse number 17. For the kingdom of God... Is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Number eight is hope. Romans 15, verse number 13, same opening in my Bible. says, now, the may, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Can we abound in hope? If we have the Holy Spirit in us, we should be filled with hope, abounding in hope. And now as you flip to Galatians chapter 5, we read the listing of the fruits of the Spirit that all of us as believers who have the Holy Spirit within us should be exhibiting. And I would just point out this isn't an exhaustive list. In 522, we've added some things above it. Probably more things that we could add as we search the scriptures. But listen to 522. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. It's a nice feeling to be able to live your life and not having the law come after you. Not feeling like somebody's coming down on you all the time. That is the joy that we can experience in life. That's the peace we can have if we live according to the Spirit. And in Galatians, as we read that list of wonderful things and the fruits that are produced by God's Spirit being within us and us deciding to keep in step with it, that's the the point of Galatians 5. Before and after the list of the fruits of the Spirit, it tells us keep in step with these things. And again, it's a choice, a decision. Verse 16 says, but I say to walk by the Spirit. Other translations, I like the NIV here. Keep in step with the Spirit. Or is that the ESV? There's whatever. But it's this idea, you walk with the Spirit, the Spirit's leading you, you keep in step. Wherever the Spirit's walking, you walk. You do what the Spirit leads you to do. Keep in step with the Spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. In verse, uh, verse, the end verse, verse 25, getting towards the end of chapter 5. If we live by the Spirit, and isn't the Spirit what gives us life? Isn't this what we, we were dead in our sins, but then the Spirit comes in and gives us life. Jesus declared, I'm talking too much, but remember he declared that you will have like uh, the fountains just flowing up and bubbling forth from within you. That was, was, and it's John, it tells us he was talking about the Spirit. This is what gives us life. 
If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. And you'll have life. Now, uh, a thought here. A marching band. Um, made up of a bunch of people who come together to, uh, to do a performance together, to put on a show, to make people go, wow, that was good, that was wonderful. A marching band, perfectly in step, is a beautiful thing. But just one person out of step, and your eyes can go to it, especially you got a good viewpoint. One person gets out of step, and a little whoops, and it's, it's noticeable. But the beauty is in the unity, in the unison. And it's true visually, but it's also true uh, for the ear also. Because just one person playing the wrong note, or um, and I heard it in some of Will's early practices, and you won't hear it in the later practices, I heard a couple people with some instruments that went, you know, and it's hard to play those instruments and do it perfectly all the time. But one wrong note or a note played well at the wrong time and, ever, and everything goes, oh, what was that? Did you hear that? The beauty is the unison. The visual and the auditory at the same time making a great show. And God asks us to be to do something beautiful for Him. And there is a beat for us to follow, and that is the Holy Spirit in step. We keep in step with the Spirit. Getting out with, of step with the Spirit causes dis, disarray. It causes problems. It causes drama. In the, in the book of Galatians, it discusses drama. They're having all kinds of problems in the congregation, probably. And Paul says, you ought not have all these difficulties. You keep in step with the Spirit. But in verse number 19, it says, The deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, uh, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outburst of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envy, and drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of, of these things which I warned you about. So what, what group do you want to be with? you want to be the group that's, uh, that they're, they're drunk and having all of these problems and angry at each other? And they're not following scripture, they're impure, they're unholy. Or do you be, want to be with the people, be one with those who are keeping in step with the spirit? Where do you think God uh, wants people to, uh, to look and see beauty? Does God look at Garrett Street and see a thing of beauty with his believers all keeping in step with the spirit? We've got to keep in step with the spirit. And with the analogy of the marching band, there is the idea that, you know, there's the visual part, and you can try and keep in step and, and focus so much on the visual part that you actually stop playing. This happens, is that some, some people will stop playing because they're not confident in the note they're playing, but they're going to keep in step so nobody looks at them and they can just blend in. And that doesn't work with God, with His church. He wants us doing it all. He wants us making sure that we're not getting out of step and sinning, but he wants us also producing the beautiful tones that are the church, that include the wisdom, the faith, the goodness, the joy, the love, the peace, 
the patience, the kindness, all of these things we need to be producing and focused on in our life, deciding that we're going to keep in step with the Spirit so that we can be a beautiful symphony, a beautiful production for what God wants to put on display in this broken and lost world. So my question to you is, will you keep in step with the Spirit or will you follow the flesh and maybe just kind of try to blend in so you don't look too sinful? Try to, try to make sure that you're not making God mad. That's not everything. We don't want to disappoint God, but we also want to keep in step with the Spirit and live according to love and joy and all these other wonderful things. Let the Spirit live within you. That's the challenge. And if there's anybody here today that you haven't given your life to Christ and been immersed into Him, there is this wonderful, wonderful thing that God does. He sends His Spirit to live within you. It doesn't make you be able to walk around and do miracles. But in a sense, it's, it's, to me, it's a miracle that I can actually love. Because I'm not always good at it. I need the Spirit to help me. To have joy, I need the Spirit's help. I can't imagine people who live life without the Spirit. We kind of look around and we see that all the time when we see messed up lives. If you need to give your life to Christ, you want the Spirit in your life, today is the day that you are welcome to come. You can have your sins washed away and have the Spirit of God come and live with you. If you need to respond, you're welcome to come today as we stand and sing.